Who's going to know your schedule better than the press secretary? Who's going to know your schedule better than the press secretary? Your wife. Okay. Well, your wife. Yeah. The your, butler that brings you the coffee. Unless if you're a guy named Bill, maybe it's a girl named Monica. But for the most part, it's your <laughs> Damn, press secretary. Pat, you right? had to go there. But, but I want you to see hey, this good clip. Good morning. How are you the doing, The way sweetie? she says it, she's so proud when she says this. I, Is this Jen Psaki right you gotta here? you got to see this. Can you play this okay. clip? Uh, and that's what people need to hear from him. Now, it's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it <laughs> is on, for him to have his voice out there <laughs> conveying that to the American public. All right, Steve Ratner, thank you. He's so committed. You know, our president is so committed because he took a 9 a.m. meeting, Tom. He took a 9 a.m. meeting. American people should be thankful for the press. There's only I, one I position. You set us up with that one, Pat. 9 a.m. And yeah, by the way, the way she's – can you play that? She's so proud when she said – I think we need to listen to this one more time. Watch this. Just one more time. Look Look how proud she is. Now, it's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night <laughs> owl. So nothing the fact that he's doing this at 9 a.m. Anyway. By the way, if you're Trump yeah. or DeSantis, that's how the ad has got to start. Oh, Go yeah. to exactly President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. You know what I would have? Press play. A list of things that happened at 9 a.m. that were bad. Press play. <laughs> we'll need to hear from him. Now, it's important to note, okay. President Biden okay, does Okay, start from right there. Go, Go to exactly where you think he says it, yeah, and try yeah. to find the time. It's important to know. I think it's a little bit further back. Let's go back right there. Let's try this. He does nothing at 9 a.m. He, he is a night owl. So the fact that oh he's doing God. this at 9 a.m. Yeah. anyway speaks to what? how... But by the um, way... I don't know any old man that sleeps until 9 a.m. Though most people, old people are up at the crack of dawn anyway. That's that's actually because your body's kind of programmed. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I would like to know, sleep, man, Ariana Huffington. I'm telling you. I, I don't care. What, I don't know how you brought her up. If she was my she wife, she wrote a I great book on sleep. No, 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 no. If she was my wife, I guarantee I get an extra five minutes of sleep a night. I'm telling you. The and Biden, nine a.m. Come on. That was yeah, supposed well, to be a joke. I, I guess my that yeah, was a joke. Okay, for there you go. Uh, I was like, you're hitting Rob, on Ariana Huffington right there. What just happened? No, no, no. My, I am. My my question is, he's a night owl. What time's he going to bed? I don't see Biden up till 4 a.m. just getting it in. I think he's the, you know. Or it's maybe they couldn't find him till 9 a.m. because he wandered off. Do you really put Biden as somebody that goes to sleep at 2 a.m.? No. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't know what's going on. I will say this: if you're if you're the enemy, if you're if you're China, well, she didn't if you're say Iran, which night. If you're Russia, by the way, if you see that, what are you thinking? If your enemy, his press secretary says, if the president does a, you know, this is an important meeting because president doesn't do anything at nine a.m. Not a good look for Joe Biden. <laughs> by the way, not to get all. Um, you know, somewhere sad somewhere here. Vlad but is like, we will move the submarines at 8 a.m. No problem. Uh, well, this, is an, this is an article from The Independent from 2021 that says that the president begins a short walk home at 7 p.m. Unlike Mr. Obama and Mr. Trump, who sat up late into the night reading briefing documents and watching right wing cable news, respectively, Mr. Biden goes to bed relatively early. Dude, this, this is so he's not a night owl. Rob, you just rocked her. With what you just said. Well, and it also says up here that she, uh, in the mornings, his day starts at 9 a.m. when he has coffee with his wife before he sits down and takes calls. Wow. And so he sleeps, oh, he sleeps nice. for 13 hours. <laughs> That's insane. No way. I mean, dude, like, he's got to write a book. Sleep 50% of your day. What? Sleep when you're dead. That, that, that but is... You know what's weird? Do you remember what time the first 
plane hit the World Trade Center, 9-11? 6.30. Was it that? 6.30 no, no. Pacific Standard Time, 9.30 uh, Eastern. I thought it was 8-something, No. Anyway, I was at the office. Okay. At, uh, so I was. Anyway, things happen very early in the morning. Okay, the first plane yeah. hit the tower at uh, eight forty-six a.m. Okay, and then the second tower eight forty-six Eastern nine o three. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So point is, yeah. it was right before nine a.m. and then right at nine a.m. And that's where I was going with this. Well, that's that, too much because it's forty minutes too early. So he's got to tell the next time somebody wants to attack. Listen, moving forward, you can't attack us three nine a.m. That's fucked up because that's a guideline. That's mm-hmm. the president's guideline, and he dictates, dictates the terms of war, okay? We cannot go to war from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., off limits, right? Th- by the way, <laughs> this, is, this is a joke, but this is the funny part. It's this not a joke. Mm. This is... <laughs> so are you do, saying do you, that you, he's literally sleeping she, on the job? Now, here's what I want to know. Do you think when she made that comment, her phone blew up afterwards, and you're the freaking press secretary? Former. What the hell are you saying? Why would you say something like that? That is going to be the perfect ad for anyone to use against Biden for 2024. Yeah. No. She just gave one of the best ads out there. She got a bunch of text. Thanks for the help. Yeah. Well, what this this is sort of counterintuitive because <laughs> all we hear is that it's Sleepy Joe. So it's maybe <laughs> it's maybe there's some validation <laughs> that's going I mean, on here. And he comes Maybe back he is and he says, actually sleepy See, Joe. But by I the way, right. I'm telling you, if there's any stuff that somebody could say that could finish your campaign, this the statements like this, that this could cause you to not have a chance. at Nobody can have a reputation like this in a marketplace. No one. Nobody can have a reputation like this in a marketplace. There's nothing about this that benefits and strengthens your country going up against the real bullies in the world. <laughs> By the way, if, let's say it's Trump Biden, you know, I, I'm just I'm already anticipating because they all have canned lines. I'm already anticipating Trump being like, uh, you know, you're sleeping on the job type of thing. Now, you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, you know how he said to Bloomberg, he said uh, 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 when he said, uh, you know, I don't know why. Apparently, Bloomberg's been asking about a stool to make him look taller. If he gets yeah. it, I need it, too. I don't know why he's asking <laughs> for it. But I'm here. He's going to say something like, look, I, I'm, I'm hearing Biden's talking about the fact that 6 p.m. debate is a little too late because he's got to go to sleep. That's what I'm hearing <laughs> in the marketplace because he got to go to sleep and he doesn't do anything before 9 a.m. So, I mean, this but, just gives an opening for yeah. easy shots to but, be taken. But, but then again, Biden can be like, listen, Trump, I could beat you in my sleep, buddy. So don't worry about that. So he might have a can line, too. That's a pretty bad one, though. That is a pretty bad one. Let's talk about South Korean government proposes increase in work week to 69 hours from 52. I'm sure a lot of Americans uh, are wanting America to potentially take this idea. Here we go. This is Business Live. South Korean government plans to increase the maximum working hours uh, uh, to 69 and allow for banking overtime in exchange for time off, replacing the 52-hour work week law introduced in 2018. The new proposal aims to provide more flexibility in the labor market, promoting family growth and improvement of fertility rate projected to hit a global low of 0.7 in 2024. Employers and workers would agree on whether to count overtime by the week, month, quarter, half year, full year, up to 29 hours a week of overtime allowed for periods of month or longer. Over 29 hours of overtime can be exchanged later for time off of unspecified rate. While the government argues that allowing workers to spend accrued uh, overtime on vacations will enable people who want to work less, such as parents or caregivers, to do more 
To do so, some experts are skeptical about the proposal's ability to reduce working hours. Tom, uh, what do you think about this article? Um, if they're trying to get people to work longer and solve the fertility rate, I think they got, mm -hmm. they're got. they trying to burn that candle at both ends. I don't think that works. Uh, I think somewhere, someplace in government, the maximum work week is 69 hours. So that would be if you looked at an American 40-hour week, that's 29 hours of overtime. So maybe that's working eight on Saturday, extra five hours every day. That's a lot of overtime. Um, so I... I you know, I don't know. Uh, proposed more flexibility in the labor market. It sounds like it's less flexibility because you're 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 working more and improve the fertility rate because you're never home. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I agree with Tom on this. I'm I'm did I'm doing the math on this. By the way, sixty nine. But this this seems like. A number Elon Musk would make his employers work like, <laughs> yeah, I want you uh, clocking in at 420 and uh, you work 69 hours a, <laughs> a week. Wink, wink. That um, seems very Elon Muskish, but uh, 69 hours divided by five days, if that's how often you choose to work, that's 14 hours a day. Okay. And we all know that you only get four hours of sleep these days. So that's that's the number right there. So you only have a certain amount of time to do your thing. 69 divided by six days is 11 and a half hours. If you do the 52 hours a week divided by five, that's 10 hours a day. I think this is an ongoing conversation that we continue to have. You know, the, the work-life balance, the four-day work week, which you just did a great um, episode on that, on Valuetainment. And then, you know, the bigger question, do you live to work or work to live? And uh, have you seen the, the trending topic on, on TikTok these days mm. about this? Um, it's like... Uh, like Moody Mondays or something like that. I'll find the story, but it's basically like how young people don't necessarily have to work on Mondays. Have you seen that? No. I'll find you this thing. But but pull up the fertility rate I sent you right now, countries. Take a look at this, Tom. Lowest in the world is Taiwan. Then South Korea, Singapore, Macau, Hong Kong. I mean, top five all in Asia, right? Oh, bare minimum Monday is what it's called, by the way. Bare minimum Monday. Which is what? That's the trending thing on TikTok right now. Let me let me about, show this real oh, yeah, quick. Go ahead. We'll go to the Puerto Rico. I mean, how is Puerto Rico so low? The people in Puerto Rico are beautiful. Like that should be like four point eight, right? Uh, um, <laughs> British Virgin Islands, Bosnia, Romania, Japan, Greece. Greece, they don't even work. You have all the time to make babies. Poland, Portugal, <laughs> yeah. Croatia. Bosnia, one of the most beautiful cities on earth there. What were the stats that we did the other day you know about? Talking about? You said, where's the most beautiful women in the world? And you said, wasn't it uh, a city you went oh, to? Oh, Dubrovnik, Croatia. Yeah, yeah. There's Croatia. no way Croatia's on that list, 1.44. Well, listen, you know, uh, when I wasn't married and I was single, my favorite place to go read books was Croatia. <laughs> Incredible libraries. Okay, so Andorra, Slovakia, I'm go Serbia, check out some of the Italy, in Croatia. Hungary. These are some low numbers. You know. By the way, put the highest fertility rate. Flip it. Let's see what the highest fertility so rate. These is. are for the lowest fertility. Lowest. Rate. Not having kids. Not having kids. All right. Not having kids. Uh, uh, is it in Mexico? Highest fertility rate by countries. What? Wow, six point nine. Wow, that makes sense. Go, uh, uh, a lot of it is in Africa. Zoom in, yeah, Somalia, 6.0. Uh, 
All Africa. Yeah, it's all Africa. Well, when you have no economy, you have oh, time on your hands. Look at this. South Korea, the lowest 29. fertility rates. There it is. That's why they're implementing this. So, so can you can you go back to see uh. if the list goes even higher? Like what they need is a lot of Africa. <laughs> but they had a they had a lockdown, Tom. No, no, not this one. That only shows top ten. That's where you were. Go to another one to see if we can go even lower. Yeah, like I want to see more than just ten. No, this one's only going to give you a few. Mm-hmm. What's the highest? Zoom in, see if we see anything. Uh, Somali one. Keep going lower. Keep going lower. Keep going lower. You know, Afghanistan, four point seven two. Sudan, Zambia, Cameroon. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty wild to be at 0. 0.9. So I don't I don't I don't understand the correlation with the amount of hours you work. Do you know why? I mean, dude, I don't know how many people like work, you know, like I work. I got four kids. Like, you mean to tell me you don't have time to make babies? Well, well the what? more you work, the less time for leisure. So that that is that is that doesn't make any sense. You know why that doesn't make any sense? Okay, Greece is known as the lowest of working hours, uh, one of the lowest working hours in the country. They don't work that many hours. They're not even making kids. Mm-hmm. So the correlation to me doesn't make any sense. Well, go back to that thing about South Korea. They're the lowest in fertility, yet they want to increase the working. Right? Okay. They want to increase so the I, amount I just, of hours. I just pulled up this article, Psychology Today. Why does South Korea have the lowest fertility rate in the world? Okay. It says the vast majority of young couples in South Korea end up having one child because of high child, car, child care costs. Young couples also have delay having children because of expensive housing to increase fertility rates. South Korean government should implement long-term plans to reduce child care and housing costs. Okay, there you so go. that's the reason why they're t- there's make it more affordable to have a family. There's no way it's because you don't have time. There's no way you don't have time. I mean, h- how many go, go to the Fortune 500 company CEOs? How do they have all these kids? Well, they got money, <laughs> housing, and uh, no, but they're working. It's not a concern. It's it's yeah, exactly. So it, it's got nothing to do with the number of hours you work. Why do soldiers have so many kids? You know, it has to do with money is what it, you're it has to do with other than it's not just about you don't have time. It doesn't take 22 hours to have sex. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, it's a, if you do, I mean, it's respect. If you're the goat. <laughs> Good job, Will. <laughs> Can you imagine like the, no, that, he, he definitely wasn't a 22-hour guy. No, he hit his 20,000 numbers. He yeah. was more like a two-minute guy. Yeah, hit it and quit it. Well, He's yeah, out. He, he 10, had 000. to like 20,000 is a tough number to like get McDonald's to. McDonald's drive-thru, man. He had to Interesting here. Here, I like where you went with this, Pat, by the way. I'm focusing more on the work component. You're more yeah, focused on the fertility. Work. It comes down to money. FTM, follow the money. That's what it comes down to, huh? It comes down to money and culturally what you're saying. Okay, religion, culture. Like, I don't know the philosophies of what, what, they, what they're teaching from the top. Whatever the influence at the top is saying they're going to do, okay? Whatever. You know how we looked at the Muslim church, uh, Muslim denomination, how many kids they're having versus Christians? Yeah, they're versus kicking Christians. Yeah, it's not even close. It comes from the top. Whatever they're saying at the top, they're doing. Mormons. What are Mormons known for? What's the joke about Mormons? They got 20 wives. Yeah, and not, not the wives part, but that's the first place you go to. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Where were you going <laughs> it's with It's like that? a fantasy for you. No, when, yeah, some, when, somebody, has, when somebody has six kids, what do they say? You must be a Mormon. Oh, you got you. Right? Yeah. Because they, from the top, they're having a lot of kids. This has got mm-hmm. nothing to do, my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think the primary factor is 
So uh, uh, I think it's other other things, not the number of hours they're working per week. But it's a good way to spin it if people want to spin it. Let's go to the next story. Iran and Saudi Arabia signal the start of new era with China front and center. This, mm. this title just doesn't sound good, period, for America. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran have agreed to reestablish diplomatic relations, making uh, marking a major shift in their decade-long rivalry that has defined the Middle East region. The two countries had been in talks for nearly two years, and their diplomatic breakthrough was unexpected, yet not surprising. China played a key role in the negotiations, highlighting its growing influence in the oil-rich region, which may have repercussions for U.S. influence in the region. The announcement could her- herald the end of a long-standing era of conflict in the Middle East. The uh, Detney goes far beyond the resumption of diplomatic relations, and Saudi and Iranian officials will work to revive old security cooperations and technology and trade agreements. Tom, thoughts on this one here? This is a CNN story, by the way. There is one thing that China needs more than anything else long term, and that is energy. Uh, we all know that's the one thing that they don't have uh, natural resources to support. And so they need energy deals, and they've been out cutting energy deals. That's point one. Point two is China always plays the long, long game. Not just the long game, the long, long game. And they're looking at strategic. They've been looking at, you know, the whole Silk Road initiative and a path to the Middle East, you know, originally through Afghanistan. And this is them making friendships in a region, getting their hands on long-term energy contracts and extending their influence on a Mm. world stage with people who, you know, in one way, you know, Iran is a bit of an orphan who needs some friends. Saudi Arabia isn't really. They're more of opportunists. But this is China playing a long game and uh, getting energy in their pocket. Yeah, I got to tell you, I did not see this coming whatsoever. I mean, if you know anything about... Uh, the Arab world it essentially breaks down to Sunni and Shiite, right? And Iran is the number one Shiite country in the world, I want to say. And Saudi Arabia is the Mecca, literally, of uh, Sunni Muslims. And I, th- I thought, I was under the impression that they were mortal enemies. That was my assumption. And to see that China is at the center of of diplomatic relations between Sunni and Shiite Muslims is wild to me. And I'm wondering, where's the U.S. in this? What role is Israel playing in this? We've seen that uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu um, not so subtly referenced the fact that he's been working with Saudi Arabia and other Arab countries, and he's kind of said he's making peace with the 99% of the Muslim world before he gets to the 1%, which is the Palestinian situation in Gaza and the West Bank. And I'm wondering what this type of relationship with Saudi Arabia and Iran even looks like. Um, What type of diplomatic relations will come from this? What China's actual role will be? And again, where's the United States in this situation? Because, I mean, you grew up in Iran. You know, the government is constantly saying death to the United States, death to the United States. But the people tell a different story there. And uh, Saudi Arabia is, quote, unquote, wink, wink, our ally. And, uh, I mean, I think we provide them with a vast majority of their weaponry. And uh, I I don't know. Is this a good thing for the world that Saudi Arabia and Iran are resuming diplomatic relations? A good thing? A good thing? Uh, Rob, go go on Google. If the average person wanted to uh, search the following, Iran's number one enemy. Like, if you want to find that Iran's worst enemies in the Middle East, how would you search it? 
What would you type? Iran's enemies, yeah. Okay, worst enemies. Okay, go on that. Let's see what comes up. That's okay, Israel, Saudi Arabia. If you go... Right there. Which countries are the enemies of Iran? Yeah, if you go, you'll see Saudi Arabia is like on to- at the top of the list. It's yeah. in the middle of the picture. Yeah. Right. It's at the top of the list, right? Yeah. So, so here's the point. These guys. Until now, okay, until now uh, with the help of China. So if during your reign your enemies unify together, you officially became the worst enemy America's ever had. So let me, let me unpack that right there. <clears throat> if a leader, if a leader, you know, when, when years ago we were, had just started our insurance company and competitors of ours, uh, uh, eventually word got out, which was awesome because they would call me and tell me this and they would say the following, a guy wanted to leave one of our competitors and in that company, they would say, we will leave you alone and not sue you. If you go to any company except for one company and you cannot go to PHP with Pat. You can go anywhere, but you can't go there, okay? So those people would call me, and they would say, can I have a call with you? Can I ask you why they're saying this? They said to me, I can go anywhere, but I cannot join you. Why is that? I said, why do you think? I don't need to tell you. Why do you think? Well, I don't know. I, 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 it's Now everybody is asking, why do they want us to go anywhere? They won't do anything to us, but if we go to you, we're going to sue you, mm-hmm. okay? So guess what? What do you say to that? Is that a good strategy? Is that a bad strategy? You got to give credit. They're better off, not me, you know, them unifying with me as an enemy, okay? Because your opponent is getting what? Stronger and stronger and stronger. They were taking the right position. Credit to them as a competitor. But think about it if all of a sudden all your enemies that are leaving you under your reign they all choose to unite. They hated each other a year ago. They hated each other five years ago. Not their best friends. Yeah. How does that happen? In life, there's cause and effect. What caused it? This is the effect. What's the cause? Is it the cause of the way a president handled Ukraine and Russia conflict? Mm-hmm. Is, is it the cause of how Biden handled his foreign affairs? Is that the cause? When is the last time you've heard China, Russia, Iran, and Saudi Arabia now being best friends? Yeah, certainly not Saudi. The rest yeah. of them, yes. You, you add that to the list. What kind of power now do they have? Yeah. The amount of power they have now is multidimensional. They got oil scored away. They got manufacturing scored away. They got nuclear bombs scored away. They got a lot of things scored away. They definitely got land scored away. And so now it's going to be what? It's not going to be EU and US. And then you have China, Russia, Iran, Saudi. And then they're going into Africa, China is, because they're going out there and buying all those, you know, the land to help them with their, you know, batteries and lithium and all cobalt and all the stuff that they're doing. They're, the Silk Road initiative. They're being so strategic themselves. Okay. You got to give them credit. Strategically, China's out-strategizing U.S. today, and U.S. keeps sending more and more money to Zelensky, and Zelensky has so much control now over the U.S. where he has the audacity to say, to say if the war gets worse, 
American parents will be losing their sons in war because they're going to have to send their sons. I'm, I'm pre- prefacing what he said. Mm-hmm. He's saying that American kids are going to have to go to war. Hell no. Who the hell are you to make a comment like that? Hell no. But here's the part. What did the U.S. president say? Nothing. If Zelensky makes a comment like that and the U.S. government doesn't say anything about it, have you seen this video or no when he says this? Yeah, you can. Uh, uh, U.S. will have to send troops to fight in Ukraine. Who the hell are you to say U.S. will have to send troops to fight the war in Ukraine? Like, I'm sorry, are you officially the president of the United States or are you the president of Ukraine? Are, are, you, you're not responsible for our kids and what they're going to be doing. But the fear tactic works on what he's doing. So this is all. That's the one I think right there. Zoom in a little bit to see if this is the one. Uh, uh, does he say it in English or is it translated? Play it. See if what. The U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters exactly the same way as we are sending their sons and daughters to war. And they will have to fight because who it's are you? nature that we're talking about. I'm sorry. And they will be dying, God forbid, because uh, it's a who, who, horrible who, thing. Uh, do you realize what this like? You're speaking on behalf of our kids. Who the hell are you to even have the audacity to talk like that? Do, do, do you understand what I'm do, do, do you understand like the 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 rage to have a guy we're sending you money you're talking like you are like pr- our president reports to you mm-hmm. the, the other day ESPN came out and apologized yesterday for comments made by uh, Kendrick Perkins and the girl from First Take what's her name Molly Molly comes out and Molly says there were certain comments made here about the fact that 80% of NBA, NBA voters who vote for MVP are white. Those stats are not true, and not only not true, they're drastically wrong. And we just wanted to correct that. Her words. Okay, to, to check who? ESPN has to sit down. Kendrick, you can't say stuff like that. Yeah. You were wrong, right? You were wrong. You know, if, you know if somebody like that says it under your administration, you and I are talking and this guy says something like this, guess what you have to say the next day? Mm-hmm. You have to say, we understand the pressure President Zelensky is under but uh, with all due respect, President Zelensky, we decide when we send our sons and daughters to war. Not you. Yeah. We. That is our responsibility. I understand you're losing a lot of loved ones and a lot of kids. You don't get to make a comment like that. That guy's going to get a phone call from me five minutes after he make, makes a comment like that. Well, that's totally if, agree. <clears throat> that's if you're the president. <clears throat> I agree with you, and I'm very incensed by the comment. But what I was asking myself when I heard it was, why does that guy think it's okay to say that? Who is giving him the impression in any way at any time that it's okay Mm -hmm. to say that? Is he just outside of his mind? Does he just have big cojones? Why, Why would he think it's okay to say that? Who's given him that impression that it's okay to say that? Because if you're the leader, he doesn't even say that, I don't think. But also, by the way, if you saw the end of the clip, he said... Because NATO would have to step in. And one would say, all right, there is an agreement within NATO. We're NATO. But they're not part of NATO even. That's correct. Ukraine is not part of NATO. It's one of the seven so, excuses that started this thing. Exactly. So that's the whole justification for this this invasion. So if a NATO country says something like that, what is that called? Like Amendment 2 or whatever, whatever the number it is within the NATO clause, would you attack one country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all must defend ourselves. Whatever number it is. Right. Um. If a NATO country says that, okay, that's part of the agreement. But you're not part of NATO. Correct. So there's sort of a, an entitlement situation that I think is happening with. Yeah, yeah, with it's, it's one of us is all of us. Right. 
What is that? What is that NATO provision right there, Rob? I don't know if you want to Google that real quick. But back to the China, Saudi, Iran situation. You know how they say what the the uh, the enemy of the enemy is my friend. There just seems to be a well that situation again, going on here. All of that happened yeah. under his reign. All of that happened under Biden. Article 80, 5 of NATO. That's what All of that happened under Biden. Unifying the enemies, you get to take that with your legacy with you. You yeah. strengthened our enemies and brought them together. Congratulations. I, Congratulations. I, my By biggest the way, concern is un, Saudi. Under his watch, watch what's happened under his watch. You unified the enemies. We lost our weapons in Afghanistan, okay? Uh, a bank or two went out, went under, okay? This is all under your watch is what's going on. This is all under your watch. And if you go to prior administrations, no banks under Trump. These issues weren't happening in in China, Iran, any of that stuff. And you were not having those issues with Afghanistan. And that comes down to management. It comes down to leadership. I know nobody wants to hear this, but you have to be able to set it aside and realize these are not good things. Those guys, those four getting together doesn't help America. And if you're watching this right now yourself and you're saying, wow, can't believe you're saying this. You're only you're like a spokesperson for, you know, such and such. And this is what you are. I can't believe you're saying this, Pat. No, no. Think about your kids. Don't think about your arguments that you've had to defend because of your mom, dad, or professor, or teacher, or whoever. Actually think about it. What happens if you're a gang in the streets and four other of the biggest gangs who hated each other and killed each other, they joined forces. What happened to your community? Did you get safer? Is it safer for your kids? If you can still sit there and say, I'm going to be okay, no problem. But if you sit there and say, this is not good, yeah, then next time around, think before sitting there and saying, I just don't want to get that guy out there because I don't like the way DeSantis or Trump or this guy, the way they talk, it's... They don't seem like they're gentle leaders. Yeah, you definitely don't want your leaders to be gentle towards the enemy. Yeah, you, I look at it this way. <clears throat> there are players in every major sport that would rather work for a soft coach and cash the check. They don't have a burning desire to go win championships. They'd like to win a championship, but they'd really rather have the easy check, the soft coach, and a good city. And then you have people that want to work for an easy boss, a soft boss, and work from home and have it easy. Well, let me tell you, when it comes to your country and it comes to world stage, you don't have that option. That is not an option that's available. And I will forever remember Trump's handshake with with Putin, I remember the one I'm talking about, Pat, where he pulls him in tight. It's like, what are you doing, dude? You know, and I will remember how he made the Chinese nervous on trade. I remember how he sat there and told the German representatives in NATO, you got to pay your fair share. And let me tell you, you may not like it and it may not be the guy you want to work for or a coach you want to play for. But that's not the way this works when it's your country. And that's not the world stage that we live on now. And that's not the reality of life we have. You have to have solid leadership. And under Biden's watch these things have happened and they're not good here it is i love this you see a little tug there pat you know what that means that's his move pompeo kushner it's it's uh there are messages in there no of course there's a message in there i'm just saying for me in, in every situation like this 
there, you, you can't. You have to draw the line and not let people do certain things, and that's unfortunately happening. Let me go to what Goldman Sachs just said yesterday, Tom. Goldman Sachs says no longer expects the Fed to hike rates in March. Cities stress on banking system. This is a CNBC story that just came out. Uh, a, a, uh, uh, this comes out after regulations announces measures to prevent the spread of contagion following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the closure of Signature Bank, citing system, systemic risk. In the light, in light of the stress in the banking system, we no longer expect the FOMC to deliver a rate hike as its next meeting on March 22nd, said Goldman economist uh, John Hatzius on a Sunday note. Goldman has previously anticipated a 25 basis point hike last month. The rate uh, Federal Reserve opened. Federal Open Market Committee increased the federal funds rate by a quarter of a percentage point to a target range of 4.5 to 4.75, its highest since 2007. The bank still expects to see 25 basis point hike in May, June, and July, with a terminal rate expecting to be at 5.25 to 5.5. What do you think, Tom? Is uh, he going to increase it or is he going to stay flat and not do anything for a minute? First of all, i got to remember who's talking here. Goldman Sachs is talking. It hasn't had the best of quarters. has been laying off people, and there's even been uh, you know, some very carefully written uh, – Articles talking about David Solomon. But Goldman said this on Sunday. Goldman is lobbying to go back lower because it helps the banking industry. It helps them get cheaper money. Um, that's what they're begging for. And by the way, Goldman is the same guys that uh, worked with uh, Silicon Valley Bank you know, from uh, two weeks ago and couldn't get the deals done and couldn't get all that put together. So this is Goldman, I think, just, just kind of out there, you know, you know, knurfing for moisture, just trying to, you know, grab a little bit and, and lobby. Uh, the other banks that are out there saying, hey, given a little uncertainty, we think 50 uh, basis points off the table, probably just be 25. I think that's what we're going to see. But this was Goldman on Sunday uh, lobbying and hoping, in my opinion. And and they're in a weak position. They haven't had a good couple quarters, as you've mm-hmm. seen. I guess my question is, you know, you got Goldman saying some things. You got Barkley saying some things. You got the Bond King, Jeffrey Gunlike saying some things. Everyone's going to give their opinion on this. Is Jerome Powell going to be swayed by anybody? Jerome Powell is on a mission right now to bring down inflation. He's fighting that with the interest rates. Obviously, unemployment's also a factor. Uh, Jerome Powell, he's been battle-tested. He's been through multiple administrations at this point. Um, is he going to continue the course with these uh, rate increases? Is he going to stand pat, as as uh, the Bond King Jeffrey Gunlack kind of pointed out? Um, that. That remains to be seen. Like, is a bank failure or multiple bank failures like this enough to um, diverge his his uh, expedition of of increasing rates? He's done a pretty good job of saying sort of uh, agnostic to what the presidents have to say and what banks have to say. You saw that his uh, interaction with what was that senator. Kennedy. Kennedy. Uh, the other day. From Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana. When he, he gave him a little breakdown right there of all the interest rate situation. I'm not picking on yeah. you. I just want an answer. Yeah. I'm cotton picking answer. So the. Listen, b- gun like the bond kick said the following. He yeah. says, to save the central bank's credibility, they will probably raise rates 25 basis points. I would think uh, uh, that the, uh, I would think uh, that that would be the last increase. He, gun like, does not think that the Federal Reserve is going to slow down because of this. There, there's, there's a lot of different uh, perspectives here. There's Goldman saying one thing. There's Gunlock saying one thing. There's Bloomberg saying one thing. Bloomberg says uh, F- Federal of Jerome Powell uh, plans to uh, raise interest rates at a faster uh, pace to curb inflation. 
has been disrupted by the collapse of Silicon Valley banking signature, which has caused financial instability, meaning they're saying that he may not. Now, is this uh, indirect way of Bloomberg and Goldman trying to talk to Powell to get him to say don't do it by putting fear in there? Who knows? Yesterday, Megyn Kelly hosted a debate. I don't know if you saw this or not. Vivek Ramaswani was on there with David Sachs. It was a very really? good, it was a ninety minute Vivek's debate. Vivek's everywhere, right? It, now. it was a very very good debate, and mm-hmm. Vivek didn't back down about his argument, and they actually went at it. It was a very good position. Both of them presented a very good argument. Vivek said, "You went out there and you." put so much fear that they finally said, fine, here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to do a backstop and bail out the customers. And he's saying that is still the wrong move. And David is saying you're being irresponsible to think what you're thinking. I'm thinking about more the people. And then Vivek said, these are people that, uh, you know, they have, they're not the small-time business owners. They're the bigger ones. It's not just the small and middle-income guys that are being hit. The point is we don't really know what Powell's going to be doing. I, I don't know if Powell's the type of guy – that is super predictable, where he's going to, I think he is a sensible guy that he can be convinced, but he also has a backbone, meaning, which is exactly place to be. I put him a high score for being able to reason in this specific context. I I see him hearing out from everybody that calls him and saying, hey, they probably have a list. You know, they probably have a list of Banks that are next. Can you pull up the the list of banks that are next? Uh, uh, Just put like the next Silicon Valley banks. Who's on the list of the next Silicon Valley bank? Whatever. If you search it, it'll come up. They have a list of banks that they're looking at. And they know where they're at because many of these guys have to report their names. And the more these lists become public lists, okay, meaning if there's new names that pop up, think about what you're thinking if you have your money in that bank. You do not want to be on any list right now by any credible source. Yeah, first you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so Isn't the list to be on. No. So imagine the call being made to Jerome to say, hey, uh, Jerome, here's what you need to know. If you increase the rates, you will officially be the first Federal Reserve chair to have seven banks go under. Do you want that part of your legacy? Let me say this one more time, Jerome Powell. If you raise rates quickly like you've been doing, there's another seven banks that are like Silicon Valley Bank that are going to get hit, and they're in the top 38, and they're $100 billion banks. Do you want that part of your legacy? And Jerome has to really think about that. He really has to think about that, especially when you look at FDIC, and FDIC's got how much money? $125 billion. Can you look at how much FDIC has right now? If you go look at how much FDIC is right now, I saw a number the other day, $35 billion as of yesterday or something like that. Uh, how much what, does – what, what do they have? Okay, this as of 2022 – but do they have the number as of 2023, okay? So they have $128 billion, uh, uh, give or take, to cover 1.26% of a total $9.9 trillion. trillion. <laughs> so it's not billion, trillion, right? So I do think Jerome has to think about his next move and how quickly increases rates. I do think he has to think about that because he will – could potentially that the fear that the opposing side could put on him is you will be known as the the chair where the most banks went under under your leadership. I don't know if he wants that. And I don't even know if that even does anything to his decision-making process. Well, we talked about yesterday. We had a, a guest on yesterday who talked about that he thought with the new uh, depositor protective in place, 
that protects against the bank run because everybody can calm down there and say, you don't have to run the bank. If something ever happened to your bank, you know, there's going to be a, a backstop from the federal government and this $25 billion fund that's been set up. And I said, I thought there was a 25% chance of, of it happening. And specifically, I meant, you know, First Republic because there are, and I characterize them yesterday as I do now, as they're kind of hopping on one leg. Um, and, and that's where it's, that's where it's going to go. So I, and I, I'm not changed from yesterday, even though I read a ton of stuff early this morning, PBD. If there's ongoing jitters, which really seem to be calming pretty quick in banking, I think he backs off the 50 because he doesn't want to jitter the system, but he's going to keep going after inflation. And I don't think it has to do, it's really interesting, the central bank's credibility. What do you mean credibility? This is not a thing where you say, I did what I said I was going to do. No, things happen. The economy moves around. We just saw over the weekend, a lot of things happen, Mm -hmm. sometimes pretty damn quick. And so I think he looks at it and says, is everything calmed down enough? Are we going to spook the system? No? Okay, well, then I'm continuing with 0.25 because we got to continue this march against inflation. And I think he's got a backbone. I thought he looked pretty impressive. We were making fun of Kennedy, and I'm sorry that anybody was offended by me using that voice. But I thought Jerome Powell handled himself pretty well and pretty stable yeah, I think so as well. at that hearing. And, oh, and yeah. Tom, by the way, I just uh, – Paul, uh, Rob just did a quick poll. 97% of the audience was offended by the way you yeah. make fun of Kennedy. Tom, so I just want to make sure you are never aware of that. Please Tom. work on your never uh, 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 condescending approach towards the Kennedy. You know, <laughs> I'll go down to New Orleans. I'll right, buy everybody a nice red let, fish. You know. let, me, let me read a super chat here by Paul, which, which is kind of interesting. So shout out to Paul. Uh, uh, Powell will continue to raise rates, stress testing the vulnerable ones, then bail them out. I mean backstops. Shore up the bank, making them even more powerful as Americans get crushed and lose. Okay, Paul powerful very- or powerful? Well, there's I mean, a play on words. Yeah, right there. I like that. Powerful, but you know he's saying powerful. By the way, there's a part of what he's saying that he's got a very good point because think about it this way: if, if you know the establishment, and if you know if these guys truly want to eliminate smaller banks and to make this thing even more nationalized. This is where you do it. Centralized uh, banking. If if that is truly the agenda, hey, Jerome Powell, if you really want to do that, don't raise it by quarter. Don't do half. Go three quarters of a basis point. If this guy goes half or higher, if he goes half or higher, then there's a community of people that will say, I think they kind of do want to get rid of smaller banks and bring them together. I don't know, Paul, if I'm there where you are right now, but if it does happen, uh, there's an argument for that for sure because it is strengthening the top four or five banks that uh, they would sit there and say big thank you. I'm sure if uh, Powell raised the rates uh, anything half or higher, he may get a nice bottle of uh, wine and some nice cigars from the top five banks in America saying, hey, you're amazing. Well, I just got a text from Jamie Dimon. Um, We're up for three quarters of a point. My boys are ready. Hell. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. I just got a text from Senator Kennedy in Louisiana. He's got his his eye on you there, BizDog. Oh, no. Not happy with your impersonation. Tell him we'll go out for, I'll buy him a nice redfish dinner down there. It's delicious. Oh, that's appropriating uh, Cajun culture. No, right. so if you're down there in Louisiana, let's, you can get it fresh and it's delicious. It's fantastic. Let's talk about building a community. Red beans and rice. Let's talk about building a community, which is what Elon Musk is doing. Elon Musk bought us out to make a tiny village for his workers. 
Elon Musk has spent millions purchasing land in a small Texas neighborhood in Bastrop, outside of Austin city limits, to build his own little village near Tesla, SpaceX, and Boring Companies. Musk's vision is to create his own utopia where his employees can live and work. Some of the locals have already sold their land to Musk, but while they were initially told it would be used for workers' housing, they learned later that Musk planned to build a town. However, Musk called the Wall Street Journal report that he is building a town false on Friday. The idea of living in an unregulated private town or city has risen in popularity in recent years. And Praxis is one of the uh, newer projects funded partially by Peter Thiel, the goal is to build a city outside of the United States and free of government control. There's interest for that. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Anytime you use that sarcastic, slow voice, you have a strong opinion on something like that. So tell me, Patrick, why did you read it in that tone? What are you feeling like this? You know, I, I just like that he's toying with people. I, I love it. I love the fact that he's toying with people and messing with people and just getting them to constantly talk about what he's up to. But by the way, if he's doing this, what's wrong with it? Say he is doing this, and say you work for Tesla, mm-hmm. and say you ask for it. You know, we have some guys here that, you know, we were about to make that offer on that 11-acre land that we were looking at. You know what a lot of people ask for? Can we build some boxable homes there? Yeah. Can we get five or ten boxable homes where we can rent? The idea of wanting to build a community is not far-fetched or anything. There's a lot of other people that wish that wish they had the kind of a culture where the people would want to build a community. Yeah, That's called you're making great culture. It's not by force. It's by choice. You don't have to live there. It's purely a choice and a benefit mm-hmm. and an add-on. So whether he's doing this or whether he's not doing this, there's no difference between what he is doing or what Disney World did in Orlando when Walt Disney was using other people's names to buy up land because they didn't want to sell it to him directly. And then all of a sudden they're like, holy shit, this guy bought up all the land and he built his own zip code or two or three called Disney World. <laughs> Elon's just building his own Disney World. That's Shout great. out to him. By the way, I'm all about the company culture. And when you were going to maybe make that $13 million offer on that $40 million condo in downtown Miami at the Thousand Biscayne Museum, the Hadid building, I was willing to sacrifice my lifestyle to live in that ridiculous penthouse unit very in Miami. Patriotic. I'm, I'm, very I'm a noble player, and patriotic Pat. from your end. So if that's what you want to build, if yeah. you want to build that community, that small village in downtown Miami and you need a, tough to a find team leader, like yeah. just sign me up, Pat. You're like a great uh, uh, war buddy willing to go above yeah. and beyond and sacrifice yourself. I was just going to say, it comes like down that. to sacrifice, yeah. Pat. And I'm willing to sacrifice what I'm doing right now it's an emotional to moment live in the, the penthouse. Wow. I'm going to try to hold it together. I'm going to try to hold it together right now. So, I think yeah. it comes down Team to chapstick and you are kissing some major butt at the moment. Nah, he, 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 by the way, he knows how much I love heights <laughs> and the balcony. Like what I would do is every night we'd have dinner in the balcony. That's what we would be doing every night. So let, let's go to this Colin Kaepernick story oh, here. Colin Kaepernick accuses white adoptive parents of problematic upbringing, perpetuating racism. This, this, this is not a, a joke, by the way. This is actually what he said. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so 
Uh, Colin Kaepernick, former NFL star and activist, used his white adoptive parents of perpetuating racism in a new interview in his upcoming graphic novel, Change the Game. Kaepernick spoke about growing up in a problematic household and how his parents tried to steer him in a direction they thought was best, which led to several fights between them and their adopted son. One of those disagreements illustrated in the novel was a fight over his hairstyle. Kaepernick wanted to wear cornrows, but his mother pushed back, alleging, saying, oh, your hair's not professional. Oh, you look like a little thug. The lack of racial harmony in his home, uh, own home encouraged Kaepernick to find community elsewhere, and he chose to pursue a football career instead of a professional baseball career because there were significantly more blacks in the NFL and MLB. Kaepernick still hopes to return to the NFL and has worked as an activist and advocate for social justice issues. Mm-hmm. I, I have, like... So many different issues with this article here. But I'll go to you first, man. Go ahead. I just – so if you're Colin Kaepernick, you're adopted by – what is – were his parents white? What were they? Yeah, if you can pull up the the Colin Kaepernick's parents. So if someone adopts you, I assume they take you out of a foster care – or of a situation that you probably don't want to be in. So this family adopts Colin Kaepernick, and now he resents the fact that they adopted him because they're saying, hey, if you do certain things, people are going to judge you. You know what's crazy? I actually had a conversation yesterday randomly with uh, our friend Jerry, who works upstairs in the sales department. Black guy, right? And he's sitting there with April, another black woman. Great, great duo. If they're watching, shout out to them. And he literally just put cornrows in his hair. Did you see it? I go, oh, hey, nice new hairdo. He goes, yeah, man, I've been wanting to do this like for years. But my family were, I believe they're Seventh-day Adventists. Adventists. And he goes, this this is very much frowned upon. I said, oh, okay, tell me why. He goes, yeah, you know, cornrows, tattoos. This is something you just can't do. And he's a black guy. I go, all right, explain. He's like, it's just... It's just frowned upon. He's t- he's explaining to me why. I go, all right, cool. Got it. So this isn't a race thing. This is a culture thing, right? And so, for instance, it'd be the equivalent of a white guy just growing his long hair out and listening to heavy metal and his parents saying, hey, if you actually want to be taken seriously, you probably can't just, you know, look like Axl Rose out there or Slash just with hair flowing if you want to actually be taken seriously like that. So... Wouldn't you agree that your parents probably, your adoptive parents, want the best for you? It would just seem that Colin Kaepernick has sort of lost common sense. Tom? I would feel different than I do right now if over the course of the last 10 years, you've been hearing him say, I only played football because I thought there was more racial diversity in the sport. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. And no, we heard a lot about Colin. Uh, Kim and I saw him in the airport by himself, not very famous. Um, And he was very chill. And I don't remember comments made like that. And he maybe you can say he's repressed and all that. But to suddenly come out and also didn't remember him saying, you know, you know, I've lived in a repressed household. I, I just feel like, you know, each step he has to appropriate some other offense to continue to, you know, press his relevance. And he is relevant. He brought attention to some things, um, some in the right way, some in the wrong way, and some were positive, <laughs> some not. I'm just kind of shocked now that now it's time to, you know, 
go attack a bunch of other things. And I haven't heard that his Mm -hmm. parents were these tough people. They adopted him. You know, adoption is an act of charity. You know, they owe him respect as he grows up, just as he owes them respect. It's called family. Let me tell you, man, I have so many problems with this. Uh, First of all, his biological mother, Heidi, I believe, Russo, gave him up at five weeks. Okay? Until today, the biological father, they don't know who it is. It's unknown. Okay? So if it's unknown, I mean, I don't want to get graphic, but you understand what that means. Yep. The only way somebody's unknown is because, you know, you had a lot of different partners. Yeah, she was very right? friendly, let's just say yeah. that. Yeah. So, okay, so so let's let's put the perspective. Then there's the adopted parent, the parents that adopted you. So there's four people in this in this situation here for you to recognize and not recognize. Till 2021, he didn't want to meet his mother, his biological mother, for giving up for adoption. You have your father, who you don't know who he is. You have your biological mother, who you don't want to meet. Then you have the parents that adopted you. And you think you made it into the NFL. Let, let, mm-hmm. let me get this straight. You think you made it to the NFL all on your own? Seriously? Do you think you did that? I, I'm, I'm sorry. Y- you know, the, the, the role that parents play to buy the uniforms, to take you to practice, to be part of leagues and drive you an hour or fly you out and bring coaches. And do you know how many thousands of hours his parents or mother sacrifice? And this is what you say just to sell a story in a documentary. It's a slap in the face to parents. Mm -hmm. Do you know what this does to people that are considering to adopt? This is the fear of parents that are afraid to adopt. You mean you want parents to put 15, 20 years of their lives into adopting a kid and 20 years later they get something like this because now you have money and you don't need them anymore? It's the ultimate insult. It's um, disgusting if you ask me. There's uh, no parent that is perfect, but anybody that chooses to adopt you, give you a home, take care of you, and now you have this kind of a life because of what they did to sacrifice thousands of hours. Mm-hmm. There's nobody in the world. There's, there's two people in the list of your life that you should never be able to criticize, and it's the two parents that adopted you. Mm-hmm. Those two people you need to lift up and turn them into heroes forever. You cannot say anything about those two, mm-hmm. specifically in an embarrassing way like this. Adoption uh, is a choice, anyways. and those parents did not care what color you were, yeah. and they adopted you. Respect respect to, uh, respect to his parents for what they did. And uh, it is what it is. I remember watching the Super Bowl with this guy in the game. I couldn't believe the stuff he was doing. I really enjoyed watching the Super Bowl with San Francisco. Oh, the power years outage ago. It was a great game, yeah. Yep. yeah. Anyway, okay, we're at, we're, at the end the of the, we're at the end of the podcast. We're a minute over. Yeah. We got some stuff to do. I do want to say a couple of things here, guys. Uh, we're getting a lot of requests from different people, when entrepreneurs that we're uh, uh, having conversations with about uh, uh, anxiety, about mental and emotional challenges, some people that are going through right now with businesses. So I am hosting a webinar specifically for that topic on March 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to talk about hardship currently going on, dealing with pressures and how to thrive during turbulent times. This is if you're trying to figure out a way on how to be mentally and emotionally tougher in a strange time like this. This is the webinar for you, specifically for those who are in competitive environments. You're running a business. You're an entrepreneur. You're a thriving person that's moving up, and you got a lot of different pressures. You're a parent. You're a father. You're a mother. You're trying to do a lot at the same time and get the finances in order. This webinar is for you. The link will be in the description below. Again, March 28th, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go and register for it and put it in your calendar so we can spend an hour 
together on March 28th. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Rob, do you have the link, or, or have they sent the link to you? Not yet, but I'll get it and put it in. Let's get the link. Let's put it in the chat. Uh, Mario Kai, if you're listening to this, send it to Rob, so Rob has it to put in the description. Gang, have a great day. Uh, we will do this again, I think, Thursday with a guest. So we will see you Thursday with a guest mm-hmm. this week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.